the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Communion Sunday, so we'll prepare our, ourselves for communion, and we'll continue our, our, our teaching in Paul's letter to the Philippians, which we have started uh, several weeks now. We're getting into chapter 4 here very quickly, but we're going through the last few verses of chapter 3. And the title of the message this morning is The Mind of a Disciple. Okay, the series is Nurturing the Christian Mind. Philippians is about us developing a Christian worldview. The Mind of a Disciple. I loved um, this quote from the late African-American preacher E.V. Hill. I don't know much about him. But his, his statement uh, made an impact in my life a long time ago. He said these words. He said, if you're following Jesus and you're walking and you're behind you and there are people following you, there's a good chance that you have the potential to be a leader. And then he said, if you're walking with Christ and you look behind you and you see people not only following you but imitating the way you walk, then you can be sure that you are not only a disciple but you are a disciple maker. And then he said, if you're walking and you look behind you and no one's following, you're just out for a walk. You're just exercising. You're not heading anywhere. And I think we need to know this morning that being a follower of Jesus entails much more than just following Jesus. We are saved and called not just to be disciples, but also to be disciple makers. We're not just to live out our faith in front of people but we also must cause people to follow the same path of fidelity to the faith that we profess. In this journey, we often think that becoming a disciple is the end of, you know, or, or, or the actual main uh, goal of that journey. But there's another dimension to that journey, to that call, and that is for us to also show other people that we are, in fact, following Jesus. And, you know, discipleship is not a gift that God gives to some people and then not give to others, okay? A lot of people think, hey, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm not very good at telling people how to, how to become a follower of Jesus. I, I myself am following Jesus, but I'm not good at telling people how to do that. Well, you know what? That's just a cop-out. It's just an excuse because this, the calling is for everybody. It's not for a special group of people. The mandate on the Great Commission is to go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations. It's a call to every follower 
of Jesus. And some people are saying, well, you know, it's hard enough for me to, to maintain my own walk with the Lord as a disciple, let alone trying to let somebody else follow the same path that I am going. In other words, we're trying to, to, to skip or to, to ignore the real, real call of following Jesus. And that is not just to follow Jesus, not just to be a disciple of Jesus, but to cause others to follow Jesus. Okay, Jesus said to his disciples, one of the last things he said to his disciples, he says, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. And the world will know that you are my disciples because of your love for one another. What do you think Jesus was talking about? Is he talking about love in, in an affectionate way that I got to feel that I love you, that I got to do something for you to show that I love and care for you? Yes, it does. But you know what, what Jesus was getting at? He's saying, hey, you're in for discipleship. <laughs> I'm commanding you not only for you to follow me, but I'm commanding you to make disciples, to make others follow me. He's talking about discipleship. Now, in these verses in Philippians chapter 3, which we will be reading in a few minutes, uh, as Paul has done throughout this letter, he was showing believers in Christ how to think as Christians, how to nurture the Christian mind, how to develop a Christian worldview. And in verses 15 to 21, which we're about to read of chapter 3, Paul particularly gives us some insights on how the mind of a disciple of Jesus really works. So I want to read that for you. If you, have an, if you have your notes, you can follow along. He wrote these words, Philippians chapter 3, verses 15 to 21. Paul says, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if in some point, at some point, you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, Paul says. Brothers and sisters, and just as you have as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and, before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a, sa a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body amazing words. Those verses gives us some insights on how we should think as followers of Jesus, the mind of a disciple. Let me ask you a question. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Of course you have to say yes. You wouldn't be here if you're not. But you know what? You're not also a disciple. You're not just a disciple. You're also a disciple maker. And, and Paul will explain that to us. Now, it's Communion Sunday, and uh, we are called, okay, to examine ourselves. In fact, in, in, uh, in this text in 1 Corinthians, second, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses, um, verse 5, Paul says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. 
Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. He was challenging his readers to check up, to do a, like a spiritual checkup to see if we truly are disciples. There's a, there's a test to true discipleship. Y you and I are going to know that. You know, the longer you walk with Christ, the more you can apply this test of discipleship and the more you and I can appreciate the fact that we are, in fact, growing into that level of, of our calling as Christians. Now, Paul gives us three traits that validate true discipleships. There's only three this morning, so you can praise God for that. He's going to explain to us the, the three characteristic traits of a true disciple, and he'll separate true disciples from those who are fake disciples. In other words, he's going to explain to us how a true disciple conducts his life, how he thinks, how he lives, and how he moves, and he's going to also describe to us what a person who's just out for a walk or <laughs> with a person who's a fake disciple looks like. So, this is, these are all in our text. There are three traits that occupies the minds and hearts of true disciples. And these three traits govern the way we think, the way we act, and the way we live. Number one, a true disciple of Jesus exemplifies spiritual progress. That's the first characteristic trait. If you are a disciple of Jesus, you will exemplify spiritual progress. Now, I use the word exemplify to point out a very important fact that whether we like it or not, whether we accept it or not, when we become followers of Jesus, we become role models. And this is something that, that I think so many Christians have neglected to look at in, in, in our own lives. I know I'm guilty of this. You know, it's easy to be self-focused. But the moment we come to faith in Jesus, we have been called to exemplify what it means to grow spiritually, spiritual progress. I always have a problem when Christians tell me, oh, Jesus is, Jesus is our example. And that's true. Jesus is our example. But let me make clear to you that you have to qualify that statement. When you say Jesus is my example, what are you really saying? That you're going to directly follow the example of Jesus? Of course we do. But I want you to know that Jesus is more than our example. He is our Savior. He is our Redeemer. He is our Lord. Don't ever look at Jesus as merely an example of how you and I live. He is our King of kings, and He is our Lord of lords. Now, there's nothing wrong with saying Jesus is our example. But you have to qualify it. Because Jesus established a church. And there's a reason why he called 12 disciples. There's a reason why he established a church. He established the church for the purpose of disciple making. Now, Jesus is no longer here physically on earth. His presence is here by the power of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is seated on the throne in heaven. He is our Lord and King in exile, so to speak. I know you don't want that word. But he's our monarch in exile, and the Holy Spirit is here, and we represent his kingdom right here on earth through the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
So Jesus, when we say Jesus is our example, it's okay to say that, but you have to put in the back of your mind that Jesus is first and foremost your Lord and Savior, your King, and that He saved you so that you can be an example of spiritual progress. Jesus established the church for discipleship. Discipleship cannot take place if there's no church. If there's no fellowship among believers. And, and people say, you know, I don't, have to, I don't have to be part of a church to be a Christian. Think again. Think again. Please, I plead with you, don't take that kind of position. Because it's, it's distinctly unbiblical to think that you can be discipled outside of the body of Christ. It's an impossibility. Well, what about those people who are, you know, living in the jungle and all of those things? Are you living in a jungle? It's the same excuse a lot of people think. I don't need to be baptized to be a Christian. What about that thief on the cross? Let me ask you, are you a thief on the cross? If you're not a thief on the cross, get wet, get baptized. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's a commandment. Now, it's not a commandment that necessitates salvation or entering heaven, but it's a commandment for discipleship so that people will see that you're a follower of Jesus. So this thing about discipleship, you know, kind of set aside all the, the presuppositions we have learned in the past. This is a big deal in the Bible. It's a huge deal. That's why there's a church. That's why Jesus called 12 guys, right? He called women too, okay? Uh, but he, Jesus uh, traditionally never had trouble discipling women. It's the men that, that Jesus really had a whole lot of trouble. I mean, that's just a fact, okay? I mean, I'm not trying to say anything else, okay? I mean, people say, well, you know, Jesus is a male chauvinist. He's like this. No, Jesus is smart. If this thing is going to work, you have to train these guys because these guys... You can read the Bible. It's all there. Who was the first to witness the resurrection? Was it Peter? No, he was hiding. He was hiding. That's a fact. He and John even raced each other to get to the tomb. Who told them about it? Of course. So, so, so let's not you know, put, put in any of these presuppositions we have in our mind. Jesus called 12 disciples for the purpose of discipling others. Jesus said, if I can get through these guys' heads, this church is going to be powerful because their heads are not where they're supposed to be. Now listen, the mindset of a true disciple is geared towards not only his or her personal spiritual maturity, but is also very much aware that maturity and progress is a testimony to others of God's power and presence in our life. Okay? So when you became a Christian, you were now experiencing what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You're growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're now experiencing His Word being applied in your life, and it's showing dividends. It's showing the fruitfulness of the Christian life. It's showing the fruits of the Holy Spirit. For what? 
for your own personal benefit? Yes. But you know what? That's your testimony. And why do you and I need a testimony? Because other people are going to see Jesus through the testimony of our spiritual progress. Okay? Jesus ain't going to come down and say, I'm going to appear to that person, and that person is going to become a Christian. By the way, when you hear people say Jesus appeared to them, they're lying. Okay? Jesus has not appeared physically since he went up to heaven. Jesus has made up his mind. He's seated on the throne. He's not going to go up and down to show himself to other people. Even Paul didn't see Jesus in the flesh. He heard his voice. So a lot of people saying, well, you know, until I, until I see Jesus face to face, that's just lack of faith. No, and disciple, you have got somebody like me. Somebody like the Christian. You have to look at that, okay? And you have to hold people that are discipling you accountable for the same kind of thing because that's what discipleship is. You know, not because I stand here means I have arrived or somehow, you know, what I say is the Bible. No, you need to understand that if what I'm saying is not in the Bible, that's a red flag, okay? It has to be that way. That's why Jesus established the church the spiritual progress, that's a testimony that you can show people. How you were before you became a Christian, what happened when you became a Christian, and how you're living your life right now. That's something that people see. That's something that people will have to go and, and hang on to so that they too can model that to somebody else. Let's look again. At verse 15, Paul says, All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if at some point you think differently, God too will make clear those things to you. What was he talking about? I'm going to read the, the context of that in a moment. But he continues, verse 16, he says, Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Paul says, We have been given this new birth. We have been given this new life. We have been given this experience of salvation. Okay, let us hold on to them. Let us attain to them. If we're mature, we need to follow certain maturity uh, ways of thinking. We need to be mature in our thinking. He says, join together in following my example. Paul says that. Paul says, join with me in following somebody else's example. No. Paul says, follow me as I follow Jesus. All right? Paul understood he was going to be a role model. Paul understood that he was going to be an example. And he goes on, he says, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. You know how critical that is? You know what Paul was saying? I, I, I confess and I profess to a Christian faith, now follow my example. Now follow the example of those who live as I do. Who is he saying? Who is that applied to? It applies to all of us who are Christians. We just become disciple makers. Now, we don't become disciples automatically on our own. We become Christians. We follow Jesus. And then we look to other people to disciple us. Once we have attained to that maturity, we now have to do the same things for others. Okay? That's how it works. Now, every disciple carries the responsibility of modeling themselves after another as we become models to others as we have been disciples. So that's our testimony. That's what authenticates 
and validates our testimony. We are examples of spiritual progress and growth. No person can profess faith in Jesus without progressing spiritually. The goal of discipleship is to exemplify spiritual progress. It's so crucial to our confession of faith. That's why we are in the church. That's why this exists. That's why we never ever accept the reasoning that a person outside of the body of Christ is truly a disciple. We couldn't accept that because Jesus built the church. Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against it, okay? So if you're outside of it, how are you getting discipled? All right? That's why the Bible encourages us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves as believers in Hebrews because we can disciple each other towards faith and good deeds as the days are getting more perilous. Now, Paul says in this verse in Philippians uh, chapter 3, verse 15, verse 12 to 14 in context, Paul says, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. What view of things should we uh, take in for ourselves? The context is in verse 12 and 14, 12 to 14. He wrote this. Paul says, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Press on. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Spiritual progress doesn't mean you and I are already perfect. I've said that many times. You and I understand that. Spiritual, um, being a Christian, uh, being mature simply means we are continually making progress. Why do we need to make progress again? We need to make progress so that we can disciple others to make progress in their spiritual walk. It's part of the calling. It's part of being a Christian. Now, spiritual progress, according to Paul, involves three things. Okay, I think this, they are in your notes. Involves three things. If we are going to progress spiritually, we need to do three things. Number one, we need to learn to forget the past. Number two, we need to live faithfully in the present. And thirdly, we need to look to a future promise. Okay? When you say, okay, I want to grow and progress spiritually, what do I have to do, Pastor? Paul teaches us. It says, number one, learn to forget the past. What about the past? I mentioned this enough last week. Forget about past sins. Those sins have been forgiven by God. Forget about past sorrows, okay? Those sorrows are already uh, taken care of by the hand of God's grace in your life. They are real, but we have joy now, amen? You know, when you become a Christian, you still have those loneliness and sorrows and things like that. But you know what, what cancels that? What cancels the sorrow? It's the joy that God gives us when we become followers of Jesus. There's that joy in your heart. Now, you, you, need, you and I need to do some serious joy searching, all right? If there's no joy in your heart, if you wake up in the morning and if your smile looks like a frown, reverse smile, you know, 
It's a thing of the heart. If you're a follower of Jesus, there's joy in your heart. Oh, you still get worried. You still get fearful. But it gets canceled. You know why? Because you're growing. You're growing the grace of God. You're growing in the knowledge of God. You're being discipled in it. Where else can you hear this? You know, if you, if you decided to go to your local bar to get some inspiration, you know, you'd be drunk by now to cover the, the issues that you're dealing with. Oh, only in church will you get this. Come on, give us some credit. Only in church will you say you can, you can hear the word that says you have real joy that nobody can take away from you. You only get that at church. In other places, they promise you joy, but it's temporal joy. You know? That's, that's what the world offers. Everything temporary. It's good, but it's temporary. But the Bible says that joy is full. Jesus says, I have come that your joy may be full. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.